I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of James chapter 1, James chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verse 13 down to verse number 15, James chapter 1 and verse number 13. The Bible says, let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness towards us. Without it, we would not be here today. And so we acknowledge your goodness and we thank you, dear Lord, for the undeserving love that you show upon us. And what great expression of that love than when you sent your son to this earth to die on Calvary's cross so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I pray that today as your word goes forth that you would use it to bring a greater awareness to us of your eternal and abiding love for lost mankind. Lord, I pray you draw our hearts to you. I pray that you would cause us to run to you, seek your face, and be covered in your mercy and your grace. I pray that you would use your word to bring sensitization to this world of sin in which we live this body of sin in which we were born. I pray that you would save some lost soul here today. I pray that every believer would be challenged and strengthened and motivated to be closer drawn to you. I pray that you would give me the words you'll have me to say and that you'd cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. Have your divine way and may decisions be made that honor you and put you in your rightful place, in hearts and lives. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory, for you alone are worthy of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. In the realm of sports, and particularly in any different game that is played, in order to make the appropriate play, in order to be in the right place at the right time, it is critical that every team member has a proper and firm awareness of the current state of the game. Failure to have this keen and pertinent awareness leads to inappropriate, untimely, and costly decisions that would jeopardize the team's chance of coming out victorious. A few years ago in the NBA, which for those of you who might not figure your sports inclined, but the National Basketball Association in the U.S. 
in a game in the NBA Finals with 4.7 seconds left on the clock. The game was tied with a player at the line shooting a foul shot. This foul shot would give the team a one-point lead. This would be critical in the waning seconds of the game. However, the shooter missed the critical foul shot. But in a twist of fate, his teammate gathered the rebound. This was, as it were, another golden opportunity to score with just a few seconds remaining and win what would be a crucial game in these finals. However, inexplicably, the teammate who got the rebound seemed to be unaware that the game was tied. It appears as though he thought that his team had the lead. And so instead of making an attempt to score another basket, which would win the game, he dribbled the ball away from the basket, much to the chagrin and the dismay of his bewildered teammates. Ultimately, the game went into overtime and his team lost the critical game. You and I find ourselves in the middle of a spiritual war. My friend, this spiritual war is a war of wrong versus right. It's a war of good versus evil. And I dare say, my friend, that whether you like it or not, we are fully impacted and engaged in what is happening. But sadly, as I look around at our world today, it gives me great concern and great pause that when I look at what is happening, particularly the attitude and the response of believers to the state of affairs, what I find is an alarming state of unawareness and apathy to what is happening. My friend, this lack of awareness and this apathy, apathy, it is impacting lives. It is destructive. It is dangerous. It is damaging to our well-being. The spiritual warfare of which I speak, as we have seen over the last several weeks, this war started in heaven. But this war is now raging here on earth. And many seem oblivious to the continued havoc and devastation that it's causing to us all. My friend, this is a conflict of the ages. It's a conflict that will consume all of time here on planet earth. We've examined the realities of this conflict. That this conflict was initiated by Satan himself. Who wanted to be like God. Who wanted to be in the place of God. 
He was not satisfied with the fact that he was the most decorated angel that was not good enough. He wanted to be like God. And so this war is ultimately a war between uh, Almighty God himself and this angel created by God known as Satan. Lucifer. Started in a perfect place in heaven. But it started because God in his wisdom, because God desires relationship, did not create Beings who did not have the ability to choose. And Satan chose to rebel against God. The reason for this conflict is linked to the fact that it was fueled by pride in his heart. My friend, be aware of this vice called pride. Ultimately, that led to a rebellion. And this rebellion is still being waged. Here on earth. We've seen the reason. For this conflict. But today I want us to. Begin examining. The results. Of this conflict. What has this conflict. Led to. Why are we. Where we are. At this point in human history. And I want you to notice. First of all today and. This is all the time that we would have to examine. But ultimately, I want you to understand that the result of this conflict is the presence of sin. My friend, sin is the result of this conflict. This vice that we grapple with, this vice that we deal with day after day, week after week, month after month, sin. And I want us to look at sin today in two aspects. The first aspect we want to look at is examining sin as a noun. Sin as a noun. And then we will examine sin as a verb. Now, when we look at sin as a noun, understand that sin is a disease. It's a disease. When we think of a disease in our physical bodies, we think of a disorder. We think of an abnormal condition. We think of an illness. We think of an ailment. And it is said that there are four main categories of diseases. And we're talking about diseases in a physical context of the body. There are infectious diseases. These are diseases that are caused by microbes. These microbes produce infectious diseases. Such diseases can be transmitted from one individual to another, causing harm. The spread of disease can be either from direct contact or indirect For example, common cold. And of course, we can all think of COVID-19. Infectious diseases. But there are other categories of diseases. And the other one that we can think of is hereditary diseases. 
These are diseases that are caused due to a mistake in the genetic makeup of the organism. And such diseases are really not transferred from one person to another through contact. But they are passed naturally from parent to offspring through the genes. For example, cystic fibrosis. It's caused by the mutated gene CFTR. So you have hereditary diseases, you have infectious diseases, but you also have deficiency diseases. These are diseases caused due to insufficient supply of nutrients or vitamins for the body, and this results in abnormal conditions. These diseases also do not transfer from one person to another. For example, scurvy. This is a disease caused by a vitamin C deficiency. Then you have a fourth category of disease called a physiological disease. It's caused to, due to a disorder of the function of tissues or the structure of organs and tissues. The disease is caused by excessive iron in the diet. And I'm sure you can think of many others. But here's what I want you to understand about this disease called sin. Our sin disease, my friend, it is hereditary. We don't contract it from another person. You don't acquire this sin disease because you hang around another sinner. This sin disease, my friend, you and I are born with it. We inherited it from our ancestors who inherited it from their ancestors and you trace it all the way back to the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. As a matter of fact, you can really say that we inherited this from Adam himself because he's the seed bearer. And so you and I inherited this sin disease that we live with. Every single man, every single woman, every single boy and girl, we are born with this sin disease. That's why Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, well-known verses in all of the Bible, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse number 10 earlier says, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Not one. And my friend, here's what we must understand. This sin disease is a problem. We have a prayer list. And on that prayer list are a host of health needs. And if you were to examine that prayer list, you would see a list of specific needs that we are praying for. We like to pray specifically because we want God to answer specifically. God is specific. He wants us to pray. And when that's why when we hear prayer requests are answered, we give God the glory. Amen? But this prayer list has a variety of different diseases mentioned that we're praying about. Parkinson's disease.
kidney disease, cancer, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, high blood pressure, thyroid cancer, eye issues, lupus, I mean, you name it, colitis. I mean, a host of diseases that exist. And here's what we must understand and what I realize is that for individuals who sadly would have these diseases, we pray for them and I'm sure they pray for themselves as well, whether or not the symptoms show up or not. Amen? Because there's an awareness that this disease exists. For a person who might have high blood pressure or diabetes or asthma, that person is going to watch their diet, should do so. Take particular medication so that the symptoms don't show up. Monitor the pressure levels. Monitor the sugar levels. Observe the breathing. Why? Because they are aware of the presence of this disease. My question is, as much as we pray for these diseases that affect the physical body, how much do we pray regarding the spiritual disease that we have called sin? How concerned are we about this disease? Whether the symptoms flare up in an ugly way or not. My friend, whether we admit it or not. Whether we see everyday symptoms or not. This disease, this condition, it is there. Have we gotten so accustomed to our condition that we think it's no big deal? My friend... This disease is a major deal. This thin disease is the biggest problem that we face. Sin is a problem. This sin is a result of this conflict. But I want us to examine this sin disease not just as a noun, but I want us to examine it as a verb. Meaning, what, what does it do? What are the effects of this disease on you and on me? Jot this down. I want you to notice, first of all, this sin disease and this sin that we have, understand, it deceives us. It deceives us, my friend. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to see these verses. And I hope you have a Bible because, my friend, I fear and it is evident that many people, and I would dare say the vast majority, take this sin disease lightly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4 says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom, notice the God of this world, speaking of Satan himself, hath blinded 
the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. My friend, understand the initiator of this rebellion. Satan himself does not want you to receive the gospel. He does not want you to be saved. So his objective is to deceive you. And understand how deception works. When you are deceived, you think that what you are looking at, at is one thing, but it is something else. It is deception. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. Verse 25 of the same chapter says, There is a way that seemeth seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death understand that when it comes to deception when you are being deceived you are looking at something you think it's clean and in your own perception everything is good but my friend you're being deceived meaning it is not good you are engaged in immorality and you're thinking it is fun but it is destroying your soul. You're losing your sense of worth. But you are not told that by Satan. You are not told that by sin. Because you are being deceived. You're looking at pornography. And you think you're having a good time. But you're destroying yourself. You're hooked on drugs and alcohol and you feel like you're enjoying life and you're high. Not realizing that you're destroying, you're ruining your body and your mind. My friend, you are being deceived. You're trapped in an unforgiving spirit because of some hurt that has been done to you. And here's what deception does. It says, I'm justified because they hurt me while at the same time, sin is robbing you of your joy and your peace. My friend, you think you're right and you're justified, but you're wrong. You're being deceived because of sin. That's how Satan does it. He makes you think you are good. He makes you think you are right. But he's a liar. You're trapped. With unfaithfulness to the Lord. Because of the busyness. Of life. I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm too tired. To be faithful to God. That's what Satan does. He's a deceiver. You know what it is he tells you? He tells me. Man, boy, you're not as bad as the other person there. So, you're good. Man, I don't steal. I, I don't cheat. I mean, I don't bother people. So, I'm okay. My friend... Understand that sin deceives. Just because you think it is so does not mean it is so. It's a result of sin. 
But here's what else sin does. Sin not only deceives, but sin distracts. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. So here's what sin does. Sin causes us to lose our focus and our connection with God. Here's what happen when, happens when we have a physical disease. You know what happens? We must be preoccupied with the symptoms of the disease. So we can't do what we would otherwise normally do. You think of this COVID-19 pandemic. As busy as we thought we were. As many things as we had to do. And we had to go there. And we had to do this. And we had to buy that. And we had to go there. When COVID came, everything shut down. No more busyness. No more having to go anywhere. No more having to do anything. Not even coming to church. Why? We were distracted by a disease that was causing havoc. Sin distracts, my friends. Sin distracts us because its effects hinder us from doing what God wants us to do. Have you ever seen someone running a 100-meter dash in shackles? That would be quite ridiculous, wouldn't it? Here's what sin does. Sin holds us in bondage. And because we are held in bondage, we cannot progress. We cannot see God's will fulfilled in our lives. My friend, sin is a distraction. Even in this very service, as God's word is preached, Satan knows that God's word has the ability to penetrate your heart and to see you released from the bondage of sin. So what does he do? He presents some distractions. And oftentimes these distractions are called cell phones. He says, I got the best distraction I could find. When they're distracted, they won't even hear what God's saying. It passed right over their heads. And if it goes in one ear, it's straight out the next. Why? Because sin distracts. My friend, anything that is distracting you from the word of God right now, listen, get rid of it. It is sinful. God is speaking. Even thoughts about what you're going to have for lunch. If that's distracting you, get rid of it. The lunch is going to be there. Here's what else is sinful. Right? Being up all night until the wheels in the morning and then coming to church and then sleeping when the word of God is being preached. My friend, that is sinful. It is a distraction from what God is saying. That's what sin does. 
Satan does not play fear. He does not want you to hear the glorious gospel. Which will free you from the bondage of sin. He wants you to remain imprisoned. He wants you to remain in shackles. Sin distracts. Sin deceives. But here's something else that sin does. Sin desensitizes. Desensitizes. When we go to the dentist, which we always hope we don't have to do too frequently, in order for you to be able to, in order to have it not be too uncomfortable an experience, the dentist or the assistant is going to, in preparation for the dental work, give you some numbing medicine. And that numbing medicine is to desensitize you so that you can survive the ordeal. And so in some ways, desensitization can be a good thing. But I'm sure you would agree with me when you go and you have that numbing medicine in your gum, after the work is done, you can't wait for it to wear off so that you can eat properly again. Amen? You want to feel like you are eating. You want to feel like you are tasting. Why? You want your nerves to work. My friend, you want to be sensitized to what is happening around you. Here's what sin has has done. Sin has caused mankind to lose feeling and compassion and empathy for others. That's what sin does. Sinism causes us to lose the reality of the danger in which we find ourselves. You know why I say this with certainty? I look at funerals that we seem to be attending all too frequently. And irrespective of the pain and the anguish and the agony caused by death, Irrespective of the age at which a person can be snatched out of this world, people come to funerals and they cry for a little while. They cry for a few days. And listen, after a time is elapsed, listen, people go back to the same old mess. You would have thought that the COVID-19 pandemic and the disruption and the chaos and the confusion that it brought about in our world that it would cause a greater sensitization particularly of God's people to get back to God to get right with God but my friend people have gotten worse and it's as if sin has been taken to another level The level of apathy and the lack of concern and burden for the loss among professing believers, my friend, it is simply shocking and alarming. The Apostle Paul speaking in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1 to 3. Listen, that's a man who had a burden. 
That's a man who was sensitized, who was concerned about the, the danger, the havoc, the destruction that sin was bringing about on his own countrymen. And he says in verse number one of Romans chapter nine, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul says this, this, this chaos that sin is wreaking on my people, I am so devastated as a result of it. Listen, God, you, you bring judgment down on me in dear place. That was the magnitude of his burden. In chapter 10 and verse number 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. My friend, we live in a country, we live in an island where people are so religious but lost. We're so comfortable with all of the, 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 the praise and the worship and the, the, the going through the ritual and going through the motion with no sense of godly living. And Christians have lost the burden. For the unsaved. Desensitizes. So sin does. Lulls you to sleep. Physically and spiritually. Sin deceives. It distracts. It desensitizes. But here's what sin does. It deteriorates. This disease, like a cancer, causes the body to deteriorate if it is not addressed. Cancer, we would know, goes through what are called stages. And the earlier it is detected, the greater the chance of the survival. The more it is neglected, the worse the symptoms and the effects on the body. My friend, this disease called sin does the same to mankind spiritually. You must agree with me that this world is getting worse and worse and worse. There are things that our children are dealing with now that we never had to deal with in our, life, in our time as children. Just a couple of days ago, might have been yesterday or the day before, my son asked me, Daddy, when you went to high school, would, would students drink in public? And when we talk about drink, we're not talking about just drinking. We're talking about drinking alcohol. And you know what I said to him? I said, no, they would go and do it in private. They would hide to do it. They would go by somebody's house to do it. And he, he just lamented, boy, this is a, that, that was a different time. No, it's done in open. No, it's done in public. No, no, young people can't have, listen, have sex in a classroom with other people right there. Yeah. You can have young people smoking marijuana right in your face. Yeah. And if you say something about it, they give another puff. Yeah. We have all this mass confusion about gender identity. 
They've used up all the letters in the alphabet and making up new ones. I kid you not. They're now making up pronouns. They call neo pronouns. I'm not kidding. I had to go research this thing to truly understand. He and she and they and it are not enough. They got neo pronouns such as XE. I guess that's pronounced Z. That's because they don't identify with he and she and him and her. So they make up another pronoun to refer to themselves. XE. Z. X-E-M. Zem. Z-E. I guess I don't know how to pronounce Z-E now. Z. And Z-I-R. Zer. I am not kidding. Look it up. Neo pronouns. What? My God. Where are we going? Second Timothy chapter 3 and verses 12 and 13. Yes, yea, and all that will live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. God help us. Sin deteriorates. My friend, if we don't address what sin is doing in our lives, notice finally, it not only deteriorates, but ultimately, sin's objective is to destroy. There's an adjective used to describe certain diseases called terminal. And what that means is that it is occurring at or causing the end of life. Understand, my friend, sin is terminal. Sin brings forth death, physical death and spiritual death. Physical death is the separation of the soul from the body when the body dies and goes back to the ground from which it came. But spiritual death is separation eternally from Almighty God. In the text that we read in the book of James, chapter 1, it says, But every man, verse number 14, is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, when sin is done with you, it bringeth forth death. That's the objective from the get-go. So you want to play with it? Don't play with it. But if you play with it, it will play with you until you are dead, both physically and spiritually. My friend, sin is a destructive, deadly disease. Don't take sin lightly. Don't, don't caress it. Don't cuddle it. Don't, 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 don't invite it over for lunch. Don't have it over in your living room. Listen, it's going to show up. But when it shows up, kick it out. Listen, sweep it out. Mop it out. Listen, wipe it out as best as you can. Sin is not something to play with. We got too many people playing with sin. 
Listen, let me tell you something. Listen, none of us are perfect. And listen, God knows I am not claiming in any way uh, to be perfect. But let me tell you something about this pastor. I hate sin. I hate it. Every time an evil thought comes in my mind, I'm like, why do you go there? Listen, get out. I hate it. And that verse that David says in Psalm chapter 19, Psalm 19 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Listen, I want even my dreams to be right. I want my thoughts to be right. Listen, sometimes they're not right, but as a result of sin, but we got to hate sin. You know why you got to hate sin? When you hate it, you want to do something about it. Sin is the result. It's a terrible result. And may it be that we don't take this disease called sin lightly. Thank God in his mercy, he has provided a solution. If we were left in this desperate state, we would be doomed forever. But God in his love and mercy made a way. Praise the Lord. Yet we have so many who reject the solution and remain in bondage. Let's be awakened to the danger of sin. Let's be sensitized to the state of where we are in the spiritual war, my friend. Let's not be dribbling away from an opportunity to score against the devil. While he runs havoc in our families and in our schools and in our churches and in our world. Sin is serious. Let us treat it as such. We are engaged in a war. And my friend, this war is raging. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to just sit back and pull out a lounge chair? It's time to get busy. It's time to address this disease. Thank God he's given us his word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Let's endeavor. Man, woman, boy, or girl, whether you're saved or whether you're lost, let's take sin seriously because we're engaged in a war that is raging.